first, an introduction. Uh, my name is Chris Canary. I am an author. I have one short story that has been published in a book called Unreal City, published by Des Krakenhaus. I have two others that are currently out for publication. I have a story that I have been working on uh, that should be out soon. And while working on it, I opted to take a break and enter the Quantum Leap podcast short story contest. When doing the story, I wanted to show a little bit of the love that fans have for Quantum Leap and a little bit of the inspiration that the show gives to anyone that watches it in general. My regret is that Heather will not be able to listen to this for a little while. I'm guessing about two years at this point. So when doing this, I wanted to see what some of the other ideas for stories are. So if you would like to follow me and see what this author uh, has to worry about as far as trying to write stories, ideas, stuff like that, I do have a author page on Facebook. Just do a search for Chris Canary, last name spelled just like the bird, author. And that should get you there. And with that, I bring you into the story Quantum Leap, Reflections and Repercussions. Quantum Leap, Reflections and Repercussions by Chris Canary. March 26, 2004. Chat log. AOL Instant Messenger. Between users Navy1857 and one smart gal, spelled one dollar sign, M-A-R-T-G-A-L, Navy 1857. So you've said in your email message that you have this odd experience. One smart gal. No, actually I said that my grandfather had this odd experience, and it all centered around this name and image he had in his memory. Navy 1857. Right. People dream all the time of other people. One smart gal. Yes, a lot of people dream of others. Very few dream of the same face and the same name. Navy 1857, question mark. Okay, you have my interest. One smart gal. There are stories going around the internet. There is a group on Usenet, alt.who.is.ghost.sam. There are some crackpots in there, but the majority are about this name and a face that came to each person at a critical time and somehow helped them. Navy 1857, Sam who? One smart gal. No one knows. No one has ever given a good theory on it. But the pictures people have drawn, completely independent of each other, show the same face. I've got two GIF files of two different sketches that people have done. There are more. The first sketch is from a Teresa Bruckner and was done in 1982. She is one of the people who remembered it quite clearly, but it was a strange case. Everyone talked about her experience, but phrased it as her having an imaginary friend. Her friend, however, took the place of her mother. Navy, 1857. And the other? One smart gal. The other is even more interesting. Accounts that I have been able to track and locate all seem to be centered between 1953 and 2000. This one is the only outlier I have been able to find and dates from 1945 in a Thomas Jarrett. He had a period of missing time and a white room. That's another piece most of these stories have in common. The stories are very similar to the alien abduction stories, except these all have human occupants in that room. Anyway, Captain Jarrett had a sketch done after his missing time, and the picture is the same as others I have seen. Navy 1857 are you sure this shouldn't be in the realm of conspiracy theories? Next thing you know, you'll be saying the Kennedy assassination is connected to this. One smart gal. Wink. You should talk to Clint Hill sometime. I've discounted his story, but he also had written about some missing time. From what I've gathered, though, everyone associated with the assassination has a bit of a fugue state concerning it. I would not be surprised if Sam factored into that. Navy 1857. 
Hard to believe someone could have been there and not changed something on that day. I still remember it. Dad was teaching my younger brother to drive the family tractor, and I was doing chores. I remember the TV being on and all broadcasts that the news was showing at the time. I think it was there that I decided to go into the military when I was of age. One smart gal. That was before my time. The closest my generation has to that is the Challenger explosion. Navy 1857. You're a lot younger than I am. Okay, how about you send me those pictures? One smart gal. Okay, you should have both of them now. Navy 1857. Yep, opening them now. One smart gal. Question mark, question mark. Well, do you see the resemblance? Navy 1857. Who are you? One smart gal. What do you mean? Navy 1857. There is no way what you just sent me is possible. Who are you and what do you want? One smart gal. I'm curious on this because of my grandfather. He and a lot of other people show this tale. Navy 1857. You just sent two hand-drawn sketches of my brother. One smart gal. Question mark, question mark. We need to meet. Pick a time and I can fly out to wherever you are. Navy 1857. I am in Elkridge, Indiana. Meet out here in one week and you better bring all the research you have done on this topic. One smart gal. I'll bring what I've printed and will also make use of your internet if you don't care. Navy 1857. You can use whatever you'd like. August 7th, 2004. Roswell, New Mexico. The diner was small but mostly empty at this time of day. The smell of bacon, eggs, sausage, and hash browns permeated the air of the Roswell, New Mexico restaurant. Newt Wileton walked into the diner, causing the bell to jingle, and looked around. He was supposed to meet several people here, but knew very little about just who he was supposed to meet. He caught the eyes of an attractive Asian woman who was in a booth in the far corner. He smiled and nodded his head in her direction. She smiled back, but the smile only barely touched her eyes. She looked nervous. As Newt turned to walk to the counter, she went back to her breakfast and coffee. As he looked around, he saw there was only one other woman seated at a table who seemed to be enjoying her coffee and nothing else. He took a few steps to the counter. What can I get you? The woman behind the counter asked. Well, ma'am, we have a group that is meeting here, and I was hoping I could move some of these tables around. How many do you have? He smiled, ashamed. I think we have between ten and fifteen. Whew, she said, letting out her breath. It's usually quiet around this time of morning. We can just take the tables in the corner and put them all together. I greatly appreciate it. If you don't mind, I'd love to do that for you. She nodded her approval of the idea, and Newt got to work moving seven of the tables together and then arranging the chairs. As he was doing this, others arrived. He was able to guess that they were a part of his group due to the same expression of wariness and confusion they held in their eyes. A girl stepped up to him. Mr. Wilden, it's great to meet you face to face. Thanks, miss. It's good to have met you as well. The girl turned around as people started taking their seats. A few of the older men in the crowd smiled as they sat down. The woman, who had been enjoying just a coffee, picked it up and walked over to sit down with the others. Okay, first I want to thank all of you for joining me, the organizer said, her long black hair hanging down her back as she talked to them. My name is Melandra Stathatos. I've talked to all of you online for a little while, and I want to thank you for taking the time to come out here to Roswell. I'm the youngest of three children. My grandparents would talk of how they met on an island and fell in love with each other, but my grandfather would speak at length about an odd experience he had during that time. He remembered being in a white room where a few people would come in and check on him. Usually they would ask him questions about himself and what was happening in the world and his life. He, like many others who share his story, caught a reflection of himself. In those memories, he saw this man. Melandra held up a hand-drawn image of the man who haunted many of their memories. She heard a collective gasp from many of them, while a few others simply nodded. After a few seconds, Melandra motioned toward the man at the end of the table. Captain Beckett, could you continue? The older man got to his feet. He decided to get on with this. Thanks, Miss Stathetos. One of my squadmates, Magic, had a similar experience when we were in Vietnam. 
I always chalked it up to coincidence. But after seeing the information that has been on the internet, what Ms. Stathatos has put together, and along with the inquiries I've made, I think there is more to it than that now. My name is Captain Thomas Beckett, and it is my belief that my little brother, Sam, is the person in these images and memories that you all have. I've used some connections to try to locate him, but Sam has been missing for over eight years. The last official mention is a Project Starbright. After that, he and several of the core members of that team, including his wife, disappeared. After doing a bit more research, I have found elusive connections to a project in Stallion's Gate, which is almost 150 miles from here. We are sorry for the distance, but Roswell was the closest we could find a decent motel and a good bus that we could charter. None of the bed and breakfasts in the area were suitable for a group our size. Excuse me, Captain Beckett? I'm Peg Stratton, an older woman said by way of introduction. What exactly are we hoping to achieve? My story is similar to many I've read or heard. There was a period of time when I was under high stress. My husband was testing a plane, and I was in the last months of pregnancy. There are a few days my husband does not remember, except a few bits and pieces of it. He remembers a white room and a face reflected back at him. And he remembers a man named Al talking to him, along with a woman psychologist. He always figured it was just a dream. Captain Beckett nodded and smiled at the woman. That last bit of information was what puzzled him the most. He had met an Al in relation to his brother in the past, and it was another thread in this tale that he had no idea what to make of. The Asian woman who had been sitting by herself had walked over to the group at this point. She sat down at the table with the others. Everyone gave her room to decide what she wanted to do. I loved Sam, she started hesitantly. My name is Tamlin, and I met him 19 years ago while he was investigating a serial killer. He mentioned Al a few times. I've never told anyone about him. I already have one mark against me. I've been a noted psychic for years. As you may well imagine, we aren't the best regarded when it comes to psychic phenomena. I never knew what was actually going on and convinced myself he was an astral projection or a lost spirit that came to help me, to save me. Tamlin turned to another woman at the table. She didn't look at any of the others who had gathered, but just turned. The woman she addressed was skinny with blonde hair that came down to her back. The woman was still drinking her coffee. And why are you here, she said, a warm tone in her voice. The woman stood up. My name is Angel. I knew him. If not for Sam, I wouldn't be alive. I just want to see him again, even if only for a few minutes. Melandra nodded at this. We will get some answers, Melandra stated. I have a bus outside that, after we have all slept in the motel down the street, will take us to Stallion's Gate. With Captain Beckett's connections, we know that at least some, if not all, of our answers are there. Tomorrow, everyone in this room who wants to go with us can. Don't worry about your rooms. I've got the expenses covered. How can you do that? Peg Stratton asked. My grandmom was an heiress. She had a lot of money, and she and Papa made a lot of wise investments. It's part of why I can take some time and investigate something as crazy as this shared experience you all have. But we can talk about that more tomorrow. It's been a long day, and I need to sleep. Tomorrow is going to be a busy day. August 8th, 2004, 8 a.m. MST, Crane Motel, Roswell, New Mexico. The passengers came out of their rooms at the motel to see Melandra smiling, waiting at the bus. Behind her was the sign for where they had stayed, the Crane Motel. The sun was shining and the heat was up, but it was not an oppressive heat. Okay, folks, it's about two and a half hours to our destination. We have a good bus and we can just share stories if we'd like. I want to know about all of you. Ms. Stormer, Mr. Rickett, both of you has said little. I'd love if we could just share your stories and, she said looking over everyone, the stories do not have to be just about Sam. They can be about whatever you would like. They all started loading onto the bus. Peg Stratton noted that Captain Beckett had a package in his hand. Captain, what's that, if you don't mind my asking? It's a gift. Today is my brother's birthday. 
By my calculation, we should be arriving out there at just around my brother's actual time of birth. He was born at 12.30 in Indiana, with New Mexico being on mountain time and the bus leaving now. I estimate that we'll get there pretty easily by 10.30, give or take a half hour depending on traffic. We'll have to wish him a happy birthday then, Stratton said. My husband was amazingly helpful while I was giving birth. Apparently he knew some things that no medical doctor thought was safe at the time. Beckett smiled. That sounded like his brother, similar to his memory of the roughest Thanksgiving his family had gone through before the death of their father, the one Thanksgiving where Sam had begged Tom to hide on April the 8th, 1970. The memory caused him to remember the events of the 8th and how he had managed to survive, thanks to magic. The bus started to pull out while Tom was lost in memory. August 8th, 2004. 10.15 a.m. MST. Project Quantum Leap Lower Levels. Admiral Albert Calavici awoke to a beeping sound. He had enough time to realize that it was not the buzzing drone of his alarm clock, but was instead an alert from Ziggy, trying to get his attention. Admiral, I can tell that you are no longer asleep, and I have interesting news to relate to you. Al dragged himself out of bed and threw on a robe. He could no longer remember where he had obtained the red and white robe that was his favorite, but he was glad it was on the chair he'd left it on. At age 70, he was allowed his eccentricities and his likes and dislikes. He looked toward the speaker on the wall. Tell me you've done the impossible, Ziggy. Tell me you've finally located Sam. I cannot tell you that lie, Admiral. I wish that I could. This is much more fascinating and dangerous. Dangerous? Al thought. He'd rarely heard the supercomputer use those words before. What kind of danger? We have visitors to the project. Visitors? Al exclaimed. When the hell was the last time we had visitors here? Counting people that Dr. Beckett leaped into or not, Admiral? Al reminded himself that he was speaking to a supercomputer that had no idea what rhetorical questions were. Correction. Ziggy knew what rhetorical questions were and despised them. Never mind. Who is visiting us? That's the fascinating part, Admiral. By my count, we have 14 individuals. That's great, Ziggy. Can't we just turn them away? I highly doubt that, Admiral. One of them appears to be Captain Beckett. Tom? Al thought, his expression paralleling between guilt and outrage. Ziggy, what is Tom doing here? I'm not sure, Admiral. Hold on a moment. Admiral, I've just scanned Captain Beckett's email and chat history. The woman with him in the white blouse is Melandra Stathatos. She is the granddaughter of Nico Stathatos and Vanessa Foster. This is bad. With her are Peggy Stratton, Tamlin Matsuda, Newt Wileton, and several others. There is an internet group that appears to be about Dr. Beckett and the mystery surrounding what is termed the White Room. I believe that is meant to be our waiting room. Al quickly removed his robe and reached for his uniform. While putting it on, he was questioned. Admiral, what do you think you're doing? I am getting ready to go out there and find out what our visitors are wanting. Admiral, from perusing these groups and their communications, they appear to be here to find out who this mystery savior is. They want to know who has come in and helped them or their relatives in their lives. You cannot tell them this. Also, the computer appeared to be hesitant. They have mentioned a man named Al in these chats. I believe there is a 99.8% probability that they are referring to you. Ziggy, we are down to a skeleton crew since Sam disappeared. At any given time, it's you, Gushy, Beth, Donna, Sammy Joe, and me. We are all that's left holding the fort until Sam gets home. Donna is at Capitol Hill to beg for funding for another year. Sammy Joe is with her showing our best calculations on how we are going to try to retrieve Sam this year. Beth is visiting the girls. This leaves you, me, and Gushy. And I sure as hell am not going to send him up there. They'd eat him for breakfast. You could simply not answer the door. Yes, and you could continue working on the retrieval program, Al said, his temper starting to rise. I do not have to take that from you, Admiral. You aren't my real father. 
Al paused for a moment and then burst into laughter. Why did Sam have to create a supercomputer that had as big of an ego as Ziggy had? He'd have to make sure to ask Sam when he saw him again. Okay, Ziggy, you've made your point. You're just as interested in retrieving Dr. Beckett as the rest of us. It's always nice to hear that. Besides, I want to wait for Sammy Joe. She had some neat ideas when we were last coordinating. Al stepped out of his room only to be immediately confronted by Gushy. The programmer started rambling. Al, we've got to do something. Did Ziggy let you know that Leapies are coming to the project? Did I miss some sort of appointment setting? Is this authorized? Al had to be patient. Gushy had been one of the very few to stay on at the project while Sam had been missing these last few years. Every week, Al would go into the imaging chamber while Gushy tried to narrow down where Sam had leapt to. For four years, they had not had a success. It was demoralizing to everyone still at the project, but it had to be done. If Sam popped back up, Al was not going to leave him to be alone during this ordeal. Gushy, not now. If you hadn't noticed, we have people storming the gate, and I'd rather they didn't get in. But Al, what is your plan? The upper floors are abandoned. The offices likely have giant cobwebs. I know I haven't been up there to clean them. If you show up, then they will know something is up. You and your bright, clean uniform and the rest of the office in disarray? No one would buy that. Al paused to grab a handlink off the charging station where two others were. The handlink was his communication tool to Ziggy, and if she had any additional things to tell him, he wanted her input. He didn't like this plan, but could think of no other. Gushy, I don't think any plan would work, so I'm just going to make it up as I go along. The elevator doors shut as Gushy raised a hand to protest. August 8th, 2004, 10.20 a.m., Project Quantum Leap, Upper Levels. Al opened the door to the bright sunshine. In front of him was a bus, the type that tourists tended to take when they wanted to travel in a bit of luxury. He walked forward. Tom Beckett walked up to him. Hello, Al. It's been a while. Tom? Al replied back. It had been a long time since Al had problems with his memory, but here he had an instance. He both remembered meeting Tom twice while in Sam's company, and he also remembered never having met Tom at all. He'd gotten used to these feelings as Sam had changed history in minor ways before, but this was nothing compared to his having to adjust to his split memories four years before. It's great to see you. What brings you out here? A bit of craziness, Al. You see, I'd love to see Sam, but no one seems to know where he is. The last location that some favors bought me was this address here. Al nodded at Tom. He then made a motion toward the others. And your friends? People of a like mind. Seems they all have some story that involves my little brother. Tom, you know how top secrets work. There's nothing I can do here. Al, I do indeed know how top secrets work. I also know how secrets leak. If you can bring Sam up or give me his current address, I'd be happy to leave. But I want to see my brother. He's been missing too long. Al's hand link started buzzing and going off like mad. Al looked down at it and saw four simple words. We have a lock. Tom, excuse me, I'm going to head in and see if I can find any information for you, okay? Tom Beckett stared at Admiral Calavici and nodded. Admiral, thank you for not pulling rank on me. Al waved the thanks aside. He had bigger things to worry about. August 8th, 2004, 10.32 a.m., Project Quantum Leap, Lower Levels. Ziggy, what the hell do you mean? I mean, Admiral, that for the first time in four years, three months, two days, and sixteen hours, we have an occupant in the waiting room. Well, who the hell is it? Newt Wileton. Newt Wileton? Yes, Admiral. Newt Wileton. Oh, hell. Ziggy, Gushy, open up the imaging chamber. See if you can lock onto Sam. What decade should we search for, Al? Today, Al shouted back, rushing into the room. Search for today. August 8th, 2004, 10.32 a.m., Project Quantum Leap, Exterior Grounds. Tamlin was hanging to the back of the crowd when she saw a blue flash from the crowd. Where Newt Wileton had been, she saw him. 
Even after 19 years, she would recognize him. She saw him look around the location they were at, a puzzled and alarmed expression on his face. Then she saw him look at Captain Beckett and thought his eyes brimmed with tears. Then he glanced over the crowd and caught her eyes. She smiled as she saw him mouth the words, Oh boy. August 8th, 2004, 10.40 a.m., Project Quantum Leap, lower levels. Admiral Calavici. Yes, Ziggy, Al said with annoyance in his tone. You are laboring under a false idea. How so, Ziggy? We have both Mr. Wileton and Dr. Beckett at the same location at the same time. With the latest programming updates from Gushy and Sammy Joe, I predict a 100% chance that if we place both Dr. Beckett and Mr. Wileton in the Project Accelerator, we can successfully retrieve both of them. Al paused. He had always hoped, but after repeated failures, he had almost given up. A 100% chance? I thought you said he would never leap home, he asked. I did. However, with the new information present and the constant upgrades from Gushy and Sammy, those odds have changed. As to the chances of leaping both Dr. Beckett and Newt Wilton, either it will work or we will blow a crater the size of the Gulf of Mexico into New Mexico. I do not think there is a rogue problem I'm missing, but you always have tried to remind me that I cannot possibly have all the answers. Al muttered under his breath and yelled out, Gushy! as he exited the imaging chamber. The short man appeared almost instantaneously next to Al. Yes, Al? Fire up the accelerator. Ziggy thinks we finally have a way to get Sam home. The Admiral pulled out his phone and punched in several digits. The phones for Donna Elisi, Sammy Joe Fuller, and Beth Calavici rang at once. The sound of all of the women he prized most answering the phone temporarily caused Al to pause, then to panic. What if they were wrong yet again? Still, Sam would try it if there was even a ghost of a chance. I've called you all at once. Sam has reappeared outside of Project Quantum Leap with a mob of people brought here due to an internet group. I'll explain the details later, but Ziggy says there's a 100% chance that if we get his Leapy and Sam into the accelerator chamber, we can get him back. He heard silence from the other ends, and then several voices asking questions at once. Amongst them, he heard Donna, and could hear the hope and fear in her voice. Everyone quieted down. Donna? Al asked gently. Do it, was the response he heard from her, tears in her voice. Sammy, Joe, and I are on the first plane back. Please don't lose him. Al dashed to the elevator. The elevator doors opened, and Al marched to the front door. He looked at Tom Beckett and then looked at New Wileton, who was staring in amazed disbelief at Tom. Al marched over to Wileton and said, Newt, please come with me. We have some things to discuss, quickly. The man's eyes moved over to Al. He cocked his head and stared at him and said, Al? Several in the crowd finally looked at Calavici, paying real attention to him for the first time. It's him! The man in the white room? I'm not crazy! As the crowd moved forward, Al grabbed Sam and shoved him through the door. Al swiped his badge at the elevator, and the two hurried into it. The crowd tried to move to the main entrance door, but it had locked behind Al and Sam. They stood outside the entrance to Project Quantum Leap, demanding answers. As the elevator arrived, Gushy brought a Fermi suit over to Sam. Sam started to put the suit on, only to realize he was already standing in the room with a similar suit on. The sense of reality shifting hit him hard as he stared at himself. Al? What are we doing? He stated as he changed. Sam, Ziggy can finally get you home. All we have to do is leap you and Wilton at the same time. Once we get that, everything goes to okay. Leap both of us at the same time? Don't ask me, Sam. I'm not the technical one. Ziggy says there is a 100% chance now that it will work. The best we've ever had was 9.6% until the last year, when it jumped to 34.7. We've been trying to find what the missing piece was. Ziggy now believes that it's the two of you being here. What about the project? Will we still be able to go and help others? Ziggy spoke. Yes, Dr. Beckett. 
The information we have gathered as you've been leaping along with the information from those you've leaped into will allow us to show proof to be able to maintain funding. It will take at most one year and four months to bring this to a workable point. Sam breathed a sigh of relief and then looked over at Newt. I know what you think you're seeing, Sam said in an attempt to calm the man. If you trust me, then I think we both will be safe. Unless, Ziggy started. Ziggy, not now, Sam stated. Sorry, doctor. I was merely trying to provide the most information. Thanks, Sam responded. It would be hard not to trust myself, Newt said with a worried look. With that, the door to the accelerator chamber opened, and both men walked through. Sam finished getting dressed in his room, noting that his clothes felt a little looser than he remembered. It was hard to believe as he looked at himself in the mirror that this journey had started eight years before. There had been points that he thought he'd never get home. Technically, he reminded himself, you didn't. The world has changed quite a bit from when you started leaping. He sighed, feeling at peace for the first time in a very long time. Dr. Beckett? He heard Ziggy ask. Sam smiled. Yes, Ziggy? I hate to be a downer on such an auspicious occasion, but it has occurred to me that though you are now in your rightful place, there are still problems we may be facing. Yes, Ziggy. We have at least 16 months before we will have the project up and running properly. That is not a problem, Doctor. That is merely a part of the process. The problem I was referring to is more of a problem for you. You do realize that very shortly Dr. Elisi will be here. I'm not looking at that as a problem, Sam smiled. Along with Tamlin Matsuda and Aaliyah. I'm sorry, she's going by Angel now. Three women who love you in one spot. Sam's eyes filled with surprise. Oh, boy, he muttered in exasperation. <laughs>